You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. ISIS remains undeterred and defiant in cyberspace. Anti-ISIS hacktivists strike BBC and Trump's campaign. Turkish hacktivist versus Russia. Russian cyber operators versus Ukraine's power grid and intelligence services seek to improve cooperation against terrorist threats. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Monday, January 4th, 2016. ISIS returns to the Internet with defiant videos showing no signs of having been slowed down in cyberspace by either government action or worldwide revulsion. They've also got a new spokesman who's said to be menacing, and they've increased the presence of children in their inspirational and recruiting clips. Twitter's crackdown on hate tweet is surely directed in part against Dash, but ISIS social media operators have shown considerable resilience in the past with the ability to cycle rapidly through accounts. Governments are experiencing some success in criminal investigations of ISIS-inspired terror as the UK convicts some plotters. The US arrests an alleged adjunct to the San Bernardino massacre. French authorities appear to derive significant clues about the Paris attacks from phone data. Security services in Europe, led by German police and intelligence agencies, continue to pursue closer collaboration. They face, among other challenges, analytical ones. As obvious as the ISIS general line may be, analysts are finding it difficult to reach ground truth in the details of jihadi plans and policies. Bogus leaks seem to be clouding the operational picture. Some ISIS sympathizers are attempting to use PayPal vulnerabilities to channel funds to Dash, Security researcher Brian Krebs is among those noticing attempts on their accounts. Anti-ISIS hacktivists continue to display either scattershot aim or willingness to attack a diverse set of targets. One group, New World Hacking, possibly aligned with Anonymous, claims responsibility for last week's DDoS operations against both the BBC and Donald Trump's campaign for the U.S. presidency. The BBC operation was, they say, just a test with no harm intended. The Trump attack was directed against his rhetoric, specifically those statements New World Hacking regards as anti-Muslim. Both attacks were short-lived in their effects. Turkish hackers, either patriotic hacktivists or state-sponsored actors, probably the former, deface Russian foreign ministry accounts as tensions between the two countries remain high. Ukraine investigates a cyber campaign against its electric grid, which Ukrainian intelligence services unambiguously blame on Russia. ESET links the hacks to black energy, especially its kill disk tool. 
Joining other tech leaders, Microsoft announces it will henceforth warn users of state-sponsored activity it detects around their accounts. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Joining me is John Petrick, editor of the CyberWire. John, let's talk hacktivism. It comes up in the CyberWire fairly regularly. So what is hacktivism? Well, you know what hacking is, right? Of course. So hacking is what? Well, a hacker is someone who, you know, looks for and exploits weaknesses in computer systems or networks, and typically someone who does that illegitimately or illegally. Okay, that's a hacker. That's hacking. Now, there can be white hat hackers who are legitimate vulnerability researchers, and there can be black hat hackers. Usually when people say hacker, they're typically talking about a black hat. So what's a hacktivist? There are all kinds of people who take action against computer systems and networks, and they can be distinguished and classified by their motivations. So, for example, a uh, state intelligence service might hack for purposes of espionage. A cyber criminal has obvious criminal motives. What are they doing? They're looking to steal identities. They're looking to steal money. They're looking to extort ransoms, things like that. A hacktivist is someone who isn't motivated by money and who's not directed by a state. So a true hacktivist is motivated by political or religious or ideological considerations. That's a hacktivist. What's the general view of hacktivists? Are they looked upon as being uh, a force for good or, or, or good force for bad, or does it depend? It depends on what you mean. And if you look around the world, you'll see different uh, hacktivist riots, cyber riots going on all the time. There are a lot of, there's a lot of cyber rioting, for example, in South Asia. And you see what people call patriotic hacktivism 
going on with people swapping hacks uh, between Armenian and Azerbaijani. Describe to me what you mean by a cyber riot. What is that? A cyber riot is when you have, it's like a riot in physical space, except it's conducted in cyberspace. So what's a riot like? It's when you've got a lot of disorganized people running around, breaking things, looting, causing disorder. That's a riot. And a cyber riot is doing that in cyberspace. So if you've got a lot of people all of a sudden defacing websites, uh, breaking into databases, things like that, and they're not doing it for any kind of obvious criminal motivation or for any kind of obvious, uh, under any kind of obvious central state direction, that's probably a cyber riot. And it's blurry because just as you have people who riot to uh, protest or to break things, you've also inevitably got the people who are running along behind the other rioters looting from stores. The same thing happens in cyber rioting. Is is the mission to do harm or is the mission to get attention generally? Classically, the mission is to get attention. So a very common form of hacktivism is the website defacement. When people talk a lot about ISIS as a cyber threat, it's not really a high-grade cyber threat. It's very unlikely that ISIS, for example, is going to break into the American electrical power grid and shut down a bunch of nuclear power generation stations. That That's really unlikely in the extreme. What does happen is you find small, poorly protected targets that someone who's sympathetic to ISIS will deface a web page and it will say, hacked by ISIS, or we support uh, the caliphate, some message like that. That's a typical kind of hacktivist move. And uh, that explains also why uh, so many small media markets and municipalities in the American Midwest seem to have attracted the attention of ISIS hacktivists. Why? Because they're low-hanging fruit. They generally tend to be not particularly well-resourced and not particularly strongly defended. So, John, what's the history on hacking? I mean, when we look back to uh, to, to the beginnings, is there are there any are there any notable uh, stories that that stand out? You know, hacker or hacking or a hack in the broadest sense is something that uh, refers to somebody who attains a detailed, inside working understanding of how some software or hardware works. So people years ago used to call that a hack, if you figured out how to do something with a piece of hardware or software. And that usage persists today. You see it even in extended uh, usage in things like life hacking. The guy who will post a video to YouTube showing you how you can take your microwave popcorn bag and turn it into a bowl so you don't need a bowl to serve your popcorn in. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a life hack. Mm -hmm. And there are people who talk about that. But as far as an operation against a non-cooperating information technology system, I think you go back to the 1970s when there were the famous phone freaks at that time, spelled with a PH. And these were people who figured out ways of manipulating the early telecommunication switches through making certain tones. And the urban legend that may for all I know be true, that if you blew the toy whistle from a Cap'n Crunch cereal box into your telephone, the bell system would let you make a long-distance phone call for free. That's an example of phone freaking. And if you look at today's hackers, they're probably the lineal spiritual descendants of the old phone freaks from the 70s. Interesting. John Petrick, editor of the CyberWire. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk again soon. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers... 
Banta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the CyberWire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.